this morning when I was in the hotel getting ready to come, I was watching a daddy with about four kids. And uh, I'm at an age in my life, you know, I'm a grandfather. I got five grandchildren and one on the way, and I'm happy about that. And I want 12 grandchildren. My daughter-in-law said, uh, maybe you're talking about great-grandchildren too. I said, well, anyway, I don't know how, but I'd like to have as many. Uh, just praise God for how God is blessed. But, you know, I got a burden on December the 18th at 4.30 in the morning. The Lord woke me up because we'd just come off of a Disney cruise. And I'd taken my children and grandchildren, all of us on a Disney cruise. And we, we usually do that about every year. And, and uh, God woke me up with the importance of America and how that we need to get the dads where they need to be with God that the dad has such an influence on the children. So the Lord gave me a ministry. I haven't launched it yet because we've been in snowstorms. I text them. I said, uh, how's the crowd? What's the parking lot look like? What's the spirit of the service? And my answer came from my administrator. The roads are terrible. I couldn't get out. I had to take my son-in-law to the emergency room. I thought, what kind of answer is that? I said, help for Jesus. <laughs> help for Jesus but anyway uh, so this ministry it just takes the word D-A-D-S dads demonstrating the life of Christ to our family A articulating the word of God D devoting quality time and S serving being the example of kingdom principles and I was telling the pastor I'm so excited We're, we have a huge vision but we can't accomplish the huge vision yet but the part one I said what we're going to do because I'm so concerned about families that I want when, our, when people walk in the door I want them to feel like you know my toddler's safe here my kindergarten child is safe here and if you want to know how America feels about their children you just have a little, little just a little bit of anything let the kids put on one of the most ridiculous plays you've ever seen at Christmas time, our daycare did a Christmas play and it was terrible. I didn't tell them that and I hope they're not watching live stream. I come at home and told my wife, I said, it, it, I said, you, you, I never seen anything like it. And those parents sat there with video cameras on their knees, grandparents, these kids were dressed like in house coats with towels on their heads. And some of it was really nice, and, but it, it just really wasn't a Broadway production. But you know when it comes to children, the most important thing is the child. So they could care less about the Broadway production. So I told him, I said, we're getting ready to knock out the entire front of our church, and we're going to, when you walk in, you'll get the feeling that my child can go to the, this portion nursery and that's what I'm really wanting and desiring and I just know that you feel the same way because we got to get the dads on board around here and let her know that dads are more than just people that take up time and space and bring in a paycheck they have a responsibility being the priest of their household I want you to turn around and shake somebody's hand and say Dio le bendiga Quantos personas hablan en español en este lugar en este día? 
¿Quién vive? Okay, praise God. I'm just going to do one song. I think I'm going to wear the earphones because if that's where the music's coming out, that's what I want to hear. Praise God. Do this again. Shake somebody's hand again until I get back there.
Oh, 
Praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> when I was a boy growing up, the old timers would testify and they say, Well, I want to thank God tonight for saving me, sanctifying me, filling me with the good, sweet Holy Ghost. And then they say, It's better felt than tellt. Well, it might not have been proper grammar, but you know what? They knew what they was talking about. Praise God. Here, brother, give these two CDs away. I didn't sing anything on either one of them. <laughs> but this, this one here has got good songs. It's just both good. Just give them, find somebody, give them to them. I don't, we'll be doing more singing tonight. I want to get into the Word because I believe God's got something for us. Sister, jump up. Grab him. That, that boy's strong. I was down in uh, Port Charlotte. I was down in. I was down in Port Charlotte, Florida. Woman met me at the door. While well, she saw me come with my giveaways, she said, "Preacher, you giving that stuff away tonight?" I said, "Yeah." She says, "Why wait till later? Give it away now." <laughs> I said, "You know somebody wants one." She said, "Me." I said, "Okay, here you go." <laughs> Praise God. Perfect submission, all is at rest. I and my Savior am happy and blessed, watching and waiting, looking above, filled with His Spirit. I'm washed in his blood. Oh, this is my glory. Oh, this is I'm praising my Savior all the day. This is my song, I'm praising my Savior all the day long. Saved by His power divine, saved to a new life sublime, my my joy is complete cause I'm, oh, I'm, yes, I'm saved, Ooh. oh, he's a lily of the vine. Let's all stand. Hallelujah hearing you sing. I, I like quizzing you to see what you know. <laughs> Acts chapter 27, I give honor to the Lord Jesus Christ, give honor to your pastor and his family and all the folks that gathered here in Jacksonville, Florida, and you need to be thanking God today because you don't have a foot of snow and it's not below zero and you have an opportunity to evangelize. And tonight I'm going to be preaching on He Causes Me to Win. This is a powerful message that ties the old and the young together. 
That's what God's called me to do is bridge the gap between yesterday's anointing and today's generation. And I believe God's going to do something powerful. So as we did last night, we're getting ourselves ready again tonight. Get ourselves ready today to receive something spectacular, not only today but tonight. What we're getting ready to read the portion of scripture is when there was a storm that blew in the Apostle Paul's life. He had a prophetic word over him that said he must go to Rome and be a witness. But a storm blew in resistance. And I'm just going to read you the last part of that storm. And when it was day, they didn't know where they were. And they discovered a certain creek which had a shore. So when they had taken up the anchors, they committed themselves to the sea and loosed the rudder and the bands and hoisted up the main sail to the wind and made toward the shore. And falling into the place where the two seas met, the ship hit the ground. And the front of the ship stuck in the ground and the back part of the ship was broken to pieces because of the violence of the waves. Now the soldiers were given orders, don't you let any of these people, there's 276 on that ship, don't you let any of the prisoners that are here get away. You kill them. But because the apostle Paul was on there with a destiny, how I many know other people are going to be blessed because you're blessed? The centurion said, I can't kill him. He said, jump off this boat. Make it the best way you can. And some of them swam and some of them had to grab pieces of the ship and some of them grabbed pieces of board. But they all made it safe to land. For a few moments, I'm going to deal with the subject, I made it through. Say that with me. I made it through. Father, in the name of Jesus, let your word go forth in demonstration and power, in love, compassion, and mercy. And we'll never fail to give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. The church says, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Just for a few moments this morning, we're dealing with the subject, I made it through. You know, the Word of God shows us storms in the Scripture. And storms are given to us to do many different things. The first storms we find in the Word of God are storms that are self-inflicted. That means God didn't want it to happen, but because of someone's disobedience to the known Word of God that they have to have a storm in order to teach them a lesson. We find this in the life of Jonah. He was given a direct word, and that direct word was go down to Joppa. I mean, that direct word was go to Nineveh. But in disobedience, he did just the opposite. And when you do the opposite of what God wants to do in your life, you're always going to go down. So he went down to Joppa. He went down to the shipyard, got down in the ship, got down into the bed, and got down into a deep sleep. And the Word of God tells us that he ended up in the storm going down in the belly of a fish down in the bottom of the sea. So when you leave the presence of God, there's only one place to go, and that's down. There's only one place. And the storms come in our life sometimes they're self-inflicted because we know what we ought to do and we won't do it. And we're hard-headed and we won't do the things we need to do. So God has to lift the hedge and allow a storm to come. Because we know through the scripture that every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from above. Comes from the Father of lights in whom is no variableness nor shadow of turning. Don't let a man say when evil comes into his life that, that God put it on him. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither does he tempt any man with evil. There's no evil in him. But God will step back as we read in the book of Job, the oldest book. God will step back lift that hedge of protection and give limitations to the powers of darkness sometimes to show and to teach us things but in this case it was a self-inflicted storm the second storms we read about 
are storms that are orchestrated by God. God wants to take you to another level. God wants us to grow in Christ. He wants us to mature in Him. There's nothing wrong with giving a baby a bottle, but when you've got to remove the mustache to give it to him, it gets a little, you know, it's just too old. God don't want the church sitting in a bunch of high chairs, sitting there with their rattlers saying, I want to do this is my toy, this is my, I want it this way, I want it that way. That's not God, that, what God wants us to grow up. So we read in the scripture that he uses storms in order to make us total dependent on him and to bring us to a level of, de of total dependency on him and to bring us to a level of maturity. Storms come to our life and they're orchestrated by God. The first storms I told you about are self-inflicted because of disobedience. But we find Jesus, he told his disciples, he said, let's go over to the other side. He knew what was going on. It was, a, it was an orchestrated storm. He went down into the ship and he went to sleep. And he said, okay, now here's the lesson. The lesson is this. I'm going to see how long it takes them to call on me. I'm a sea walker. I'm a blind man healer. I'm a leopard cleanser. I'm the creator of all things. I'm Alpha Omega, the beginning and the end. I'm the first and the last. I'm the everlasting Father. But they don't know that. So i got to put them in a storm. And when I put them in this storm, I want them to understand that they need to call on me anytime there's a conflict in their life. So the storm began to rage. Jesus is down there asleep. I don't believe he's asleep the whole time. Now, who could sleep with that kind of storm going on? I don't believe he's asleep the whole time, but he kept on waiting. Well, they haven't called on me yet. The cloud's there. Well, the boat began to rock. They haven't called on me yet. Well, the boat's got water in it now. They haven't called on me yet. And the boat begins to sink, and now they're starting to call on me. It's a shame that we want to exhaust every one of our efforts before we ever call upon the name of the Lord. But the Bible says, be still. You need to quit all the stuff you're doing and know that I am God. I'm a God when the lightning flashes. I'm God when the thunder roars. I'm a God that sits on my throne. I have everything under control. All you got to do is call on me. And they run to Jesus. They said, Master, don't you even care that we perish? And Jesus just looked at them and said, Listen, this is an orchestrated test, and you all have been failing so far. You should have called on me the first time you saw the storm coming, the first time you noticed a little change in your husband, the first time that teenager started acting up, the first time you had a little a tightness in your money. You should have called on me then. Why did you wait till the boat got to rocking? Why did you wait till the boat filled up with water why did you wait till everything that's outside of your life started coming back into your life uh, in order to call upon me I want you to develop this need of, that I am your everything I don't want to be I don't want to be the number one in your life I want to be the only one now I go out and I preach a lot if I was to come back home and my little wife is four foot eleven she was born in the Appalachian Mountains of eastern Kentucky in a place called Harlan County it's where the tallest mountains of Kentucky are. And if I was to come back after this Jacksonville trip and I say, baby, you're number one in my life. All those other women don't mean anything. I'm telling you, there's going to be claws coming down my face. There's going to be, it's going to be a rough life. Do you hear me? And if your wife don't want to be number one, if she wants to be the only one, God said, I'm a jealous God, and I don't want to be number one in your life. I want to be the only one. I want to go with you on your entertainment. I want to go with you on your cruise. I want to go with you wherever you are. I want to go with you at your restaurant. I want to go with you at your sports activity. And if you can't take me with you on a sports activity, don't set me on the shelf and pick me back up on Sunday morning. I want you to know I'm 
God every day. I'm God on Monday. I'm God on Tuesday. I'm God in the morning. I'm God in the noonday. I'm God when the sun goes down. God has to orchestrate tests in our life and bring storms to where we'll say there's nobody but God. He is my everything. He's my comfort in the time of a storm. He's my financial advisor. He is my marriage counselor. He's a way maker where there seemeth none. He's a problem solver. He's a door opener. God wants you to boast in the Lord and say if it had not been for the Lord that was on my side. I couldn't have walked in these doors. I couldn't have lifted up my hands. I could do nothing. He's my reason for living. Oh God help us. Give the Lord a clap and a shout of praise. Somebody say, well, that sounds a little bit extreme. Get yourself ready for a storm. Because you're going to have one storm after another storm after another storm until with the tears running down your face, you can say, if it had not been for the Lord on my side, tell me where would I be? Oh, if you think it's your education, your looks, your money, your annuities, your stocks, your bond, your bonds, your parentage, if you think it's because you're an American, if you think it's because of your color, if you think it's where you live, if you think it's because of, of anything other that you, you know you just got all, oh, you're getting ready for a storm. Because God said, I'm going to send every kind of difficulty in your life. I'm going to allow your ship to bounce over every wave until you know I can solve the little problems. I can solve the big problems. I'm your healer, your deliverer. The Savior, Savior. Oh, some of you haven't been through enough storms. When you've been through enough storms, that word Savior, it means something. Oh, when you've been through enough storms and you know that he was there at the midnight hour, he was there when your ship was about ready to go under, he was there when your life was coming to a crashing halt, he was there when everything was turned against you. Oh, you can look and say if it had not been for the Lord. Hallelujah. Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, oh help me while I preach, I feel a praise, I feel a praise, I said I feel a praise, I feel a praise because I've been there and I've seen him come. Now the Bible said, yeah, I said the Bible said, that there was another orchestrated storm. And this time the same conditions. And the boat was rocking. Mm. And the waves were coming in. Mm. And the boat was about ready to sink. 
And this time Jesus did something different. You know, every storm he's got a different technique. This time he comes walking on the water. And Mark said he would have passed them by. He was just going to let it sink. Let it grab for a life jacket. Because here I am again. I'm coming in the midnight hour. I'm walking on what's about to drown them. And they don't understand how I can walk on what they're afraid of. But here I come. And they won't even call on me. And he would have passed them by. But somebody said, Lord. I said, somebody said, Lord. I said, somebody said, Lord. Hallelujah. I try my best to preach calm. I told myself, now when you get up here, just be calm. Hold yourself still. Just stand there. This thing's on the internet. Just be still. Oh, but let me tell you, there's something in my soul that's ringing. There's something in my soul. He's a peace. Be still, God. My God is not in a nursing home. He's not on a walker today. His eyes are not blind that he can't see. His arm is not too short that he cannot save. The God that I'm talking about is the God of yesterday, today, and forever. Oh, yeah, I feel a praise. Your part is to say hallelujah. Stretch it out, makes it feel better. Hallelujah. There's storms that come because of disobedience and they're self-inflicted. And you make them happen. There's two kinds of people here this morning. <laughs> Either you're in a storm or you're getting ready for one. Turn around and tell somebody, say, you're either in a storm or getting ready for one. Come on, tell them. Because in this world, help me preach, yeah, yeah. You know, somebody said, what you even do that yeah stuff for? Because I don't want your mind baking a turkey while I'm preaching. You hear me? I don't want you trying to figure out how to put that carpet down in your family room while I'm trying to preach. And I want you trying, I don't want you down there trying to figure, are those ostrich skin? Are those real? Are those synthetic? I don't want you trying to figure anything out. So I want you to get connected with this message. I don't want the word on top of the ground. I want the word in the ground. Yeah. So if I can get you preaching with me, yeah, I can keep your mind where it needs to be. Hopefully. But there's a third storm. And this is the one I'm hitting on today. The Holy Ghost said hit it. And I'm going to hit it hard. It's a storm over your destiny. Jesus Christ himself appeared to Paul. He said, oh, Paul, you as a witness in Jerusalem, but you shall. I'm saying when God says shall, it shall happen. He said, you shall go to Rome and be my witness in Caesar's court. Paul was on his journey. A south wind was blowing. It just looked like a real nice cruise. The wind's blowing on the Mediterranean Sea. The south wind's blowing. Oh, it just feels like everything you see in a movie production. 
you can almost just feel the tranquility and the peace. But then all at once, Eurocladon shows up. Eurocladon was the name of a wind that came from the east. And it would take the westerly winds from the Mediterranean. And it would push against them. And make them mount up. Now the ship is going as high. It seems like mountains. Down in valleys. High. Down. Eurocladon begins to blow. Because there are storms that are self-inflicted. And there are storms that are orchestrated by God. And then there are storms that hell itself wants to stop what God has for your life. There's a storm. God's got a destiny for you, church. God's got a destiny for you that are visiting. He's got a destiny for you that attend this church. He's got a destiny. He didn't just, God didn't have you to build this sanctuary just to have a pretty spot on the side of Route 10. This is a soul-saving station. This is a hospital for sinners. This is emergency room. This is where they're going to come in bleeding. This is where they're going to come in being crashed in life. This is a place that God has ordained. This is a place that God has set up but there's a destiny over many of your lives and the enemy wants to stop that destiny and the Bible said for 14 days 14 days there was no stars at night they could not navigate and there was no sun during the day it was total darkness for 14 days the absence of the stars at night and the absence of the sun during the day where am I what's going on in my life what's transpired I don't know where I am. It's nighttime and I can't navigate. It's daytime and I can't see where I'm going. I know I, I believe God wants to use me. I'm not even sure if he wants to use me at all. It looks like I'm destined for a grave. It looks like I'm destined for spiritual death. It looks like it's over. I know God spoke to me, but it, look at the situation. And look at the environment that I'm in. There's something going on in my life. And I can't explain it. And I don't know how to get out of it. Ah, but on the 14th day, the angel of the Lord shows up. I'm going to tell you something today. Your destiny is guarded over by heaven. Heaven's watching your very footsteps. Heaven's watching what you're going through. There's an enemy that wants to stop the good things of God. There's an enemy that wants to stop you and make you paralyzed and just be some deadbeat churchgoer that sits there with no enthusiasm, no joy, no dedication, no destiny about you. But there's a God that's got an angelic host that's got his eye on your destiny. He's going to do everything in his power to bring you to a place of recognition that God is for you. Let, no, let nothing stop what God is for in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. In the book of Zechariah chapter 3, the Bible shows us Joshua the high priest is his beautiful priestly garments are covered with slop. I don't know where old Josh had been to get so dirty. But he had filthy, Bible calls them filthy garments. I don't know if he'd have been out there to hooting any hooting and the shindig of shindigging or the club of clubbing. I don't know if he went Saturday night to the cinema and watched people strip down naked and naked behinds flying all over a screen. Listen to the F word 14 times. Then try to come in the house of God and say, holy. Oh, you don't even have to go there. 
You can get your iPad and just surf all you want. And now we got churches that say, expect it. That's a man's life. That's what he's supposed to do. That's what's being preached now. In other words, you know, just learn to live with your bondage. Even though Isaiah chapter 10 and verse 27 says the anointing doesn't give you the power to uh, cope with your bondage. The anointing doesn't give you the strength to, to uh, live with your bondage. But the Bible said the anointing, only the anointing of God destroys that yoke that's on your neck that pulls you to the right and pulls you to the left. We read, Josh, we read Zechariah chapter 3 about Joshua and we say, boy, old Josh, he's got himself in a mess. Here he is, the only man one time a year in one place. Yom Kippur on one day can go into the presence of God and the power of God. He gets to see the Shekinah glory. And poor old Josh, look at him. He's just a filthy mess. How in the world did he get himself with all that gossip and envy and strife and malice and hearsay and backbiting? How did he get all that stuff slopped on him? How to get himself in such a situation? But you got to take Josh's name out of there. And you got to put your name in there. Because a long time ago, on a hill far away, <laughs> Jesus was wounded for my transgressions, bruised for my iniquities, and the chastisement of my peace was upon him, and by his stripes I am healed. And when Jesus said it is finished, the veil was rent from top to bottom. Josh isn't the only one that can get in the presence of God. Ever male, ever female, ever teenager, the old, young, I've got to put my name in there. So when I'm looking at Joshua, it's not Joshua at all. It's Pastor Tommy Bates. So I see Pastor Tommy Bates. He's dressed for the presence of God. He's dressed for a destiny. He's dressed for the glory of God. But the Bible said Satan was standing right next to him to resist him. Wanted to stop him with everything. And probably got him in all kinds of messes. But there's another one on the other side, which is the defense attorney, which is the great advocate. Yeah. <laughs> and he looks over at the devil and said, let me tell you something, devil. I know he's got filthy garments on. He can't hide his problems. He can't hide the, the things that he's in. I know he's got some situations. But let me tell you the whole story, Satan. He is a brand. You know what a brand is? A brand is a piece of kindling that you start a fire with. It's highly combustible. I don't know if you know this or not, but before you found Jesus, you were highly combustible. Oh, you weren't near as good as you thought you were. You were destined for hell. You were destined for disappointment. You were destined to make havoc out of your life. But the Bible said he was plucked out of the fire. You didn't fall out of hell. You didn't make a choice to choose Jesus. You just didn't make a decision. I'm so glad I made a decision. Get that mentality out of your mind. There's a nail-scarred hand that reached into the fires of your, of your life and plucked you out. I I don't care what kind of goody two-shoes you were. It was the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what the Lord said? He said, if I plucked him out, I'm not done with him yet. Josh, take your clothes off. I'm going to put them in the wash machine. I'm going to give you some new garments because I've got a destiny for you. I don't know how many times you've fallen, how many times you've gone under, but the Lord is for you. He's not against you, and he has a destiny for you. The brother will come to the piano. I'm bringing this to a close. I was preaching in the Abacos.
of the Bahamas. It's Sandy Point, little fishing community of about 500. First night we had a powerful meeting. The little Mount Zion Baptist Church was full. They, they watched me on the internet down there. Not on the internet, but they watched me on television. Can you believe that? Church channel. I get off the plane. People thought I was somebody famous. I got off the plane, this big Bohemian officer comes. I didn't know he knew me. He goes, Pastor Bates, welcome to the Abacos. I thought, wow, this is really something. <laughs> then another guy comes around and says, we will personally take you to get your luggage. Now all these people on the plane going, who is he, who is he, who is he, who is he? I'm a royal child, been adopted in a royal family. This is what, this is what the mountain people used to sing when they was poor. My old granny said, we were poorer than Job's turkey. <laughs> but in those mountain shacks, I was born 1956. You can call it a shack with an outhouse in the backyard. And when I was preaching in Naples... One of the men come up to me and says, Now, when you mention outhouse, are you talking about a quarters where your mother-in-law lives? I said, Well, your mother-in-law may go out there a few times, but that's not necessarily where she lives. I come into this world with an outhouse in the backyard and a well in the front yard in a two-room shack. But I tell you what, they threw their head back and sung, I'm a roar child. I've been adopted in a royal family. I'm a royal child been kept by the power of God. Hallelujah. I got to the Ibacos and Mount Zion Baptist Church. You people watch me on the church channel down there. My drummer. 33 year old strong black young man. I mean he had he's a fisherman. He was a tough old boy. Him and his buddy went out fishing. And I think they went out fishing to get me some conk. Because they wanted me to have the real feel of the Bahamas. Because I said, I don't want no, I don't want no Kentucky food. I want what you all eat. Just tell me what it is first. I guess anybody can eat pigtails and cabbage can about eat anything, right? First night, that drummer, he beating those drums, those Baptist people, they're shouting their house, shout, shouting all over that house. The next day, the boy went out fishing about 9 o'clock in the morning. And he and his buddy, his buddy was 21 years old. <clears throat> 3 o'clock in the afternoon, what happened was a big, big wind had come. And their fishing boat, one of those waves, those Eurocladons. Now remember this, on that morning, on that morning the Lord spoke to me and said, Preach on, I made it through. Just what I'm preaching right now. Boy, I was, I was in that room, I, was, I made it through. Three o'clock in the afternoon, the boy's boat comes up on the banks. As far as everybody knows, he and his friend are dead. Now, it's a little village of 500. Everybody's sad. I'm getting my plane tickets changed. I'm on my way getting ready to get back home. And an old fisherman 
old Bohemian fisherman that knew the seas and the wind. He said, you see that castaway island over there where that Disney ship is? He said, I think we can find their bodies this way. I can tell by the way the wind's going. It's 15 minutes before dark. God had given me this message. I made it through. And I thought, well, I guess it was just a good feeling. It really wasn't God in the first place. You know, when you're in a storm, you can't see the stars at night. You can't navigate. And you can't see the sun in the day. About the old fisherman took them out and gas can, a plastic gas can, it was an extra one not never used, when the boat flipped over and threw them way out it threw that <laughs> God will take care of you if he's got something in store for you, now if it's the end of your story, I can't keep you and you can't make yourself stay that gas, that gas can went flying and landed right in front of them they took turns sitting on it while the other one would hold on to the other one for six hours in water 2,000 feet deep sharks everywhere hallelujah Jesus they come around and saw those two boys it already spread to Marsh Harbor it already went to Green Turtle Key it already went to Hope Town it went everywhere. They all heard about the boys that were killed. And I was already making my plane tickets to come back the next day. Because as far as we knew, the meeting's over. It was going to be morning. A sad morning time. Pastor comes smiling. At 5.30, 15 minutes before the sun went down. He comes smiling. He said, they found them. Sitting on that gas can. I had three more nights. I'm telling you, you didn't have to ask for a crowd. Everybody in Sandy Point came to that meeting. They came to see the young man that God saved with a gas can. Just hold it on to it. And there's some of you, your destiny is so important to God that just like in the scripture, it may be a board you got to hold on to. It may be the hinder part of the ship. And it may look like everything's going under with your life. It may look like God is finished with you. But I'm here to declare this morning, I want you to have a testimony. I made it through. I made it through. I want those deacons to come up. We're going to anoint them with oil and we're going to open up this altar service while they come. Come here, brother. God never changed his mind. Didn't I pray for you the last time? Come here. God said, you tell him I never changed my mind. Tommy Bates is back, but I never changed my mind. I don't even know what I said to you. But I just heard the Holy Ghost say, tell him I never changed his mind. And he does have a destiny. And I don't know if you've ever, has he ever started preaching yet? The word is in him. I don't know if he's preaching. Have you started preaching yet? Huh? Not yet? I'm not saying you're going to be a preacher. I'm just saying there's something inside of you that's got to come out. There's a destiny of God. And it's for your Hispanic brothers and sisters. Do you hear me? If you don't get a hold of this, 
your little young teenage Hispanic boys and girls. The drug addiction is going to get them. The demonic powers of hell is going to infest them. And God has called, anointed, and appointed you to stand in the gap for this Hispanic community in the name of the Lord God Almighty. You, you didn't have to sit on the front row, brother. God could have found you on the back row. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Is this all those deacons? Come on up, brother. When we make this altar service, some of you in a storm of disobedience, you know you're disobeying God. Some of you in a storm that God has orchestrated to try to teach you to call on the name of Jesus. And there's several in here, brother. There's a storm over your destiny like our little brother David, wherever David is. Is that little David here? That little boy? He's up there in the, in the high rise. I'm going to get you tonight, brother. You make sure you're here. And you bring a bunch of these other teenagers in young college and career. You bring them. Because I'm fighting for this generation. I can't take it. I'll preach tonight and I want you to help me. I want us to come and pack this house out. You tell the early service. Tell them at 6.30 tonight. 6 o'clock tonight. Tell them to be here. Because this generation is being strangled to death by something called the church. You hear me? They're being strangled by a philosophy that's in America that's turned the house of God into a showcase cinema, turned it into an entertainment center. And all they're getting is just a fleshly, a fleshly move of, of something called God and it's not God but God's got a destiny for him and I'm believing but on the shadow of a doubt we're going to see a winning spirit come upon that generation Hallelujah! I want everybody to stand these are the newly elected deacons to serve this congregation brother if you'll form a straight line over here Pastor Tommy Bates and I are going to walk down some of the other pastors of the pastoral staff we're going to anoint these men with oil right now and lay hands on them to serve this congregation. Pastor Bill, other pastors, come on, help us. We're going to lay hands on these brethren to serve this congregation. I want you to stretch your hands towards them. And then they're going to lay hands on you, people that need the divine destiny over your life to be accomplished. Come on, stretch your hands towards them as we lay hands on them telling you Troy got out of rehab just to be here this morning. Amen.
Come on, he has the name above every name. Give him glory, sing it. in a storm today I want you to come and these brothers are going to lay hands on you but as they come I want the congregation to clap your hands and shout because I believe there's some breaking come on come on just get out of your seat if you're in a storm over your destiny just come and stand and say pray for me I'm in a storm come on clap your hands and shout unto the Lord God Almighty there was a there was an African-American young man that stood right here. There's a black young brother that stood right here in the choir. I don't know where he is. If he's here, come on up. I feel led to pray for you. He was standing here in the choir. And I feel the Holy Ghost wants to move on him. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, wherever he is, bring him up here quick. Hallelujah. 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 Sing how great. How great lay hands on you because you're getting ready for a transition brother when you were up there you said you never played music you're getting ready to you have the ability you have a, the ability it's in you you don't even know it to tear a drum set up you have the ability to play music not just vocalize but you have the ability and I believe from this day forward all at once things that were in the dark you say, well, I'm good and didn't know I could do that. Find you a keyboard somewhere. You're going to start putting chords together. You go, whoa, did I do that? No, you didn't do that. God inside of you did it. There's going to be a train. And God's going to set you on fire. Do you know that? Have you been praying for it? Now, don't tell me you have. If you have, you've been praying for it. God's getting ready to answer your prayer. But it's bigger here, give me, a, give me a Kleenex or something so we can get rid of that gum because if you go to talking in tongues, I don't want you choked to death. I, I want everybody filled with the Holy Ghost. That's a lot of Kleenexes for one piece of gum. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, my goodness. I'm seeing this, brother. God is the God of yesterday, today, and forever. Have you ever danced in the Spirit? I mean, like... I just saw your feet taking off like this and going through stuff like that. I just saw you dancing all over, brother. God wants to set you on fire. But this anointing is not for you. It's for them. Point your finger out there. 
take your finger and point it and go like this. So while he does that, clap your hands and shout. This anointing is for them. the story God's gonna set you free to worship in your culture quit trying to stand still like some white man God's made you to put a shoulder here put a shoulder there God's made you to sway a little bit God's made you to move he's given you a praise quit trying to praise like everybody else turn your culture loose turn your praise loose Turn your praise loose. Turn. I've been there, brother. I've been there. I was 25 years old, going to pastors' conferences, trying to act like everybody else. I tried to be stealing. I even tried to hold my hands backwards like everybody. We never did that in the whole of this church. I didn't see that until I went to charismatic church. It's all going like this. I said, what's that all about? We were used to this kind of stuff. And, mm. So here I am, brother. I'm doing like everybody else. I felt like a surgeon getting ready to take some of my tonsils out. Hey, if that's the way you praise, that's all right. But that wasn't the way I praised. And a black preacher was preaching. Bless his soul. He got killed. You all know him, Brother Garlington. I was there the night he got killed in a car wreck right in front of the church. Scheduled to preach a second night. But he set me free the night before. He said, quit trying to act like everybody else. You're making your own self miserable. I knelt down in my pew and I said, God, I can't help but you made me a hill jack. I can't help but you made me a dancer and a shouter and a leg kicker and a whoa, hallelujah. I can't help you made me that way. And you did make me that way until the last breath goes out of my body. I don't care who's standing around me. I'm gonna worship the way you have called me to worship. Now praise him. Come on, turn those feet loose a little bit. Hallelujah. There's freedom right now. I said there's freedom. There's freedom to praise him. There's freedom to glorify him.